All right, uh, welcome to the War Room Podcast here in the GTA, hosted by my friend Adam here and myself, Jer, where we analyze and talk about the Toronto Raptors and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hockey and basketball, these two stick out like a sore thumb for the lack of statistical analysis that represents what we see. These two things, the eye test and analytics, they get talked about as if they're two separate things they are not opposed to each other at all. They have to be understood together so we can get a clear picture of where our favorite teams are at. So, as we look to bridge the gap between the eye tests and analytics, something that has been done extremely well in sports like baseball and football, let's break down an important stat for both basketball and hockey. With me today is my co-host, as I mentioned, Adam, who is a statistical genius, currently doing his PhD at Waterloo. He's going to help us bridge this gap and shed some light on what we're really looking at with these stats. Uh, Later on, we'll talk about the Toronto team specifically. They've both been bitten by the injury bug this year. Uh, The Leafs are missing Mitch Marner, Alex Kerfoot, uh, Trevor Moore got injured against the Boston Bruins. Uh, Morgan Riley is not fully healthy and he's missed a bunch of practice time. Tavares missed some time. Not to be outdone, the Raps are currently missing several regulars. So Kyle Howery, Serge Ibaka, OG Ananobi, even their depth man uh, Patrick McCaw is out. So Adam, what's up man? How's it going? I'm good. How's it going with you, Jeremy? Pretty good. A bit sad about the Leafs, but other than that, thrilled about the Raps, though. Okay, let's not waste any time and get straight into it. All right, hockey tends to talk about analytic and numbers guys as if they're some separate entity. You know, they're they're not the traditional guys. Uh, let's talk an important about an important stat here. Uh, Corsi four. What is it? How is it broken down? Why is it important? All right. So for today, we're looking at Corsi four. It's a pretty simple stat in. Um the modern analytics of the NHL. The NHL hasn't been uh, very progressive in their statistical outlook yet, but this was the first transition into modern statistics. So really what they tried to do with the Corsi stat is, hey, can we have a stat that looks at how much offense is generated by a player or a team when a certain player is on the ice? Right, and how, how do they... I guess you'll answer it yeah. a bit, but how, how, how do they break this down, basically? So, an easy way to do it is just looking at shots on net. Right. That's probably what they've done throughout the history of the NHL. Hey, we got more shots on net, we have a better offense. Yeah. But does that tell you everything? <laughs> That's what TSN tells me. That's what TSN tells me. <laughs> shots may not do tell you everything. Right. Um, if a team has a lot of missed shots, well, are they uh, initiating offense, or more offense than a team with fewer more shots but fewer missed shots right how can we tell so why don't we just add up the numbers Mm -hmm. and hey for just good measure let's add in shot block shots as well because that's generated offense so the stat Corsi Mm -hmm. is a simple one all it does is just hey we just add up the shots the shots missed and uh the block shots of a team on offense while a certain player's on the ice. So we say the Corsi while a player's on the ice is just the team's shots, shots that miss the net and shots that have been blocked while that player is on the ice. 
Dang, see, I would have not known that. It's, whenever it gets presented, they just sort of say, well, these are his like rough possession numbers, let's say, or something like that. Possession numbers yeah, is yeah. a word for it. Yeah, which, uh, you know, I always thought there's some like secret, scary math behind it. No one really knows what it means. And naming a Corsi may not be the best thing. It's not a very descriptive right, word. Right, right, Actually, the name Corsi was developed by a guy who's not even in hockey. He was a financial analyst. And he just listened on the radio and heard... Uh, Lindsey Ruff, you remember Lindsey Ruff? Yeah, yeah. He was talking about shot, shot differential during the game. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, why don't I just come up with this simple metric? And I'll name it after a Sabre staff member named Jim Corsi. And uh, the reason Funny. being, because I like his mustache. Oh, okay. So that is the origin of That is of the Corsi origin for. of Corsi. So, um, All right, now I think you've got uh, a stack I'll going just, against it. Yeah, let, let's hear about it. So we talked about Corsi 4 is... Mm. Hey, this is the shots on net, the yeah. shots missed, and the blocked shots while a player is on the ice for the offensive team. You can also look at Corsi against, which is just the opposite metric. It's just saying how many shots, shots missed, and um, blocked shots die incur as a defensive player or a player on the opposing team, right? So it's essentially the amount of scoring opportunities against your team while you're on the ice. So and this is an area I think, I believe, that the Leafs in particular has struggled with, despite their success in the last three years. They, they haven't been in the top tier in, in either of these statistics, kind of middle ground at best. In Corsi against. Yeah. Leafs have generally, you can probably just have the eye test tell you, mm-hmm. hey, they generate a lot of offensive chances, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they give up a lot of defensive chances, but is that true? Right. Well, you have to look at the numbers. That's right. So, the problem with core C4, right, when a player's on the ice, is obviously if a player plays more, let's talk about Austin Matthews, or maybe not Austin Matthews, but Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. he's on the ice far more than uh, Frederick Gauthier, right? Mm-hmm. Half the game almost, yeah. So, he's going to obviously generate more Corsi than Frederick Gauthier. So, what we can do is actually look at a relative percentage, and we call it the Corsi 4%. And what we do is we just take the Corsi 4 number that we found for that player, and we just divide it by the total Corsi of the game. So that's the Corsi 4 and the Corsi against added together. So it's Corsi 4 while the player's on the ice, divided by Corsi 4 while the player's on the ice, plus Corsi against while the player's on the ice. Oh, so this is how we're getting the percentage number. So now we can we can kind of compare yeah. two players with the, against each other because... We're taking away, we're normalizing against time Mm -hmm. on ice. Right, right. So, and here's a a quick little idea of what this number tells you. It's a percentage number. So Mm -hmm. it ranges between 0% and 100%. If you're greater than 50%, it just tells you that while you're on the ice, your team generates more offense than the opposing team. Mm -hmm. And if it's below 50%, it just tells you that your team generates less offense than the opposing team while you're on the ice. Right, okay. So, I mean, I think that's how most people understand it, but actually what I think this is brought to light more so is that, like most analytics, you can't just rely on one number when you're judging you can, a player. You definitely can't uh, yeah. rely on one number. I'll tell you the... Because this is like the new popular stat that, you know, sort of gets cited right away before anything else does when it comes to, you know, quote-unquote hockey analytics. It's like, oh, what was this course he for last night? What was it against? And I, like... 
I honestly thought coming in like, oh, this is like this big important stat. Turns out it's just a very accurate indicator of specifically a shot metric. It's just a very simple, very yeah. simple stat telling you the number right. of off. I mean, of um, scoring chances a team's had. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, I'll get to the the uh, problems with Corsi. But Sorry, yeah, I'll just have to. I'm just gonna tell you one more stat. Mm-hmm. That's a really easy one to understand. So we have that Corsi four percent. And then all we do is take the player's Corsi 4% and we look at also what the team's Corsi 4% is when the player's not on the ice. Right, right to determine so some of the value. That, and then we just subtract the two numbers and we can say, hey, this is how much better this player is when the team is when this player is on the ice compared to when this player is off the ice. Right, so we'd, be, we'd expect to see a huge gap if the team is playing quite terribly but that player is having a decent game and driving shots when he's sure. on the ice uh, or if the team's doing really well he may benefit yeah. off the fact that as a team they're generating a lot of shots and he's just part of this huge number yeah. if, okay. if you generate so much more offense even if you're a terrible team mm-hmm. let's say you give up so many chances because your team is terrible at defense mm-hmm. but you generate more offense than another player on your team you're going to have a positive number as your relative Corsi 4 percentage right? so when you're when you're looking at Sorry, sorry, I keep interrupting here, but when you're looking at a bad team, let's take the Sens, the Senators, Ottawa Senators, for example. Uh, if you're a GM trying to pluck talent from them, this could be part of an analysis. It gives you this, an indication of a, a player on a bad team. Yeah. yeah, this is a good idea of a uh, good metric for seeing if comparing players within a team. Because mm-hmm. if the team is playing terribly to begin with, we can say that this player at least makes the team go a little more than another player. Right, right. Okay. That being said, we can never use these stats alone. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's brought that up more than anything, is that you can't rely on one number, no matter what the mainstream uh, sports guys tell you. You can't rely on one number. So I'll tell you some problems with the stat that we can just obviously just tell from the get-go. It doesn't take into account opponent strength. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, if a team faces far harder teams, your Corsi 4 percentage is going to be lower. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take into account the opposing players that you're facing. So, obviously, someone like Morgan Riley is going to face stiffer competition. Like, he'll be on the ice against Sidney Crosby often, mm-hmm. whenever they play. He'll be on the ice against Pasternak and Marchand. Yeah, but, unfortunately. But now you have a third defensive pairing. Mm-hmm. Um they're on against weaker competition. Say Dermot and Hall. Say, yeah. yeah, say Dermot. He's facing fourth liners, third liners often, and they don't produce as much offense as a first-line player. Right. So as a result, his course might be scaled up right. compared to someone like Morgan Riley. Right. Um, we also talked about Corsi having blocked shots in its metric, where we're saying if we generate blocked shots, if we, we our offense our shots on net get blocked mm-hmm. we're saying it as a positive but is yeah. that actually a positive that's true right yeah. so off a block shot the defense could actually get a on man rush the other way mm-hmm. so that's one more thing another is that it takes all shots into account right all shots all missed shots all blocked shots are they good shots right. and that's right. probably the biggest fault of course we can't just if a team takes shots from the um the corner points over there. Mm-hmm. Like, is that a good shot compared to right in the slot? Right. Probably and, not, but yeah. you can increase your Corsi number. And where the eye test guys 
or see now even I'm splitting them up really what I mean is where guys who aren't looking at these numbers in depth what they might be able to tell you or what someone who's really trying to analyze it properly would be able to tell you is based on me watching the game and then putting up and then looking at someone who has let's say a 52% Corsi force okay he was a net positive if we assume that 50% is sort of the baseline uh, that's required to just be an even player uh, but he but going through the game he's let's say he's taking it down or whatever especially if he's a scout and he sees all right block shot block shot way shot from way far away above the net nothing that's high danger and you know another time and another podcast we'll get into some of the other stats but basically that's that's a way you can take one number and just stupidly apply it across the board where it wouldn't be accurate it doesn't take efficiency efficiency of shot into account that's right it's just one of those stats that are kind of biased towards poorly efficient players who aren't very efficient that's right okay and so newer stats which we may talk about in future episodes Mm -hmm. take more into account things like player tracking such as high danger zones um, where they're shooting from and more statistically significant um, measures of right offensive chances so do you want to talk about the maple leafs right now oh just before we do i think it's important to note that this stat here has been blown way out of proportion in the sense of it's really the main uh, extra or new analytic measure that I see uh, so if I'm watching a game the broadcast at most if they are to bring up analytics so that's outside of the basics right shots uh, block shots assists points for each individual player or for the teams um, because that's all they can cover they got a limited amount of time Although I think a lot of them don't really understand maybe the, 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 the not hard numbers behind it. If they do bring up any numbers, it tends to be these ones. Uh, and recently, especially with the Leafs struggling, having their early season struggles here, where a lot of their core C4 stuff looks okay, they're almost pointing at it and saying, like, see, look, just, just the analytics doesn't work behind it. Now, I don't think anyone is arguing that it should just be analytics, but I think in that sense, they take a little bit of a shot at, at stats without understanding that a lot more can be understood behind these numbers rather than just, oh, hey, his possession number is good. That doesn't mean anything. And even then, I don't even know if possession is exactly the right terminology to be using for a stat like this, which sounds like it captures a shot metric well, but it's very much uh, you know at a high level still. For sure. You can't just take a stat out of context. No. It's always in yeah. context. And this stat is very simple compared to the stats they take in baseball, which are far more elegant, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean, it sort of drives on the point. I wouldn't call a lot of those guys that do those broadcast analysts. I think journalists or, or, or pundits or commentators is a far more accurate. And it's not a knock against them. It's just that they're watching the game and they're just they're giving you their quick hit in terms of what the game looks like. Uh, looks like. But unlike baseball, where it's all sort of meshed into one, I, th- I think this would be the goal, right, that, that we'd want to see in hockey. Basketball's getting there, but hockey for sure, I think, is out of the major sports, is way out to lunch. Media right members now. just need more education about it. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. They'll, then they'll appreciate it more. Yeah, hope so. Anyways. All right, yeah, let's talk about the Leafs. Uh, look, Mitch Marner is out. Uh, that was big news. The Leafs have lost, at this point, uh, three or four straight games without him. Uh, they're actually not playing badly from the looks of it, and it's not that they're not scoring a lot, uh, but they uh, 
are obviously missing him to some extent. What that extent is, I don't know. Maybe based on this stat, based on some other stats, you can help me understand what Mitch Marner means to the Leafs. And I really hope you don't confirm my preconceived notion that he is not worth $11 million. But my gut instinct, my eye test, would tell me that that's the case. So here we're just going to look at Corsi 4. Okay. Simple stat. Obviously, he's not going to tell you the whole story. Mm-hmm. But let's just see how the team fares when Mitch Marner's on the ice and off the ice mm-hmm. when we're looking at Corsi produced. So last year, let's talk about last year first. Mitch Marner had a Corsi 4%, a 51.7%. What that means is that while he's on the ice, the team is generating 1.7% more scoring chances. I put that in quotes mm-hmm. because is it really a scoring chance? Right. We don't know. Then the opposing team. Right. So not very high. Not very high. And if we look at the relative core C4 percentage, which says how much better is this than the rest of the team, it's 0%. That was last year. So essentially, Oof. he's playing as well as the average player on his team. Right. And or, that was last year. More accurately, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. say the team plays just as well when he's on the ice as when he's off the ice. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was a outside guy, I would say, hey, but he had the most points on the team. He had 94 points. Is that just a question of talent uh, overtaking that? There could be multiple interpretations. Right. One, oh. being, one being he's producing a lot of scoring chances but he's also giving up many scoring chances. Right, right. And that shifts his Corsi 4 percentage down towards the average players. Yeah, and he plays against the top lines like you he mentioned earlier. He always plays earlier. against top lines yeah. so, and top defensive bearings, so maybe mm-hmm. he can't produce as much offense against them compared to... Relative to each other. That's a great uh, extrapolation, actually. Uh, but again, it, it drives home that that fact that you know, you'd have to analyze a couple other things. You can't just look at Corsi 4 but that's a much deeper analysis than just looking at the number and saying, like I said at first, well, you know, it's a small number. But taking into account who he plays, which is usually top lines, uh, the fact that if he generates a lot, he may also give up a lot. So a lot more to be said there. Uh, what about, uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll let you keep going, but obviously he's injured. So who would replace him and, and how would that go exactly? So let me just finish off by Marner. This yeah. year he's producing a 53.5% Corsi 4 percentage, which, I mean, a small sample size. Still only 1% relative Corsi 4 percentage, which mm-hmm. means the team is just producing 1% more when mm-hmm. he's on the ice than when, when he's off the ice. So now that he's injured, we're looking at kind of two replacements for him. And I took a look at Moore and Kapanen. Yeah. And we're talking about this, just their single individual Corsi 4 percentage. It's small sample size. Small obviously. sample size. Yeah. So let's look at uh, Moore. His Corsi 4 percentage last year was 49. Nine percent. Mm-hmm. The opposing team essentially means the opposing team is producing more offensive opportunities than mm-hmm. the Maple Leafs while right. he's on the ice. And the relative Corsi four percentage was negative two point three percent. So he was a below the average player on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. This year he's producing a similar Corsi four percentage of forty nine point three percent, and a relative Corsi four percentage of negative four point seven percent. So he's struggling a he's little struggling bit. He's struggling a little bit more than he was last year. Especially on the top line. From the Especially side. on the top line. But Trevor Moore, uh, he's been playing on, what, the third line, yeah, the fourth, third, line. Third so fourth line? So maybe right. you can actually interpret a lot from the, these numbers that he's giving up more chance. The team's giving up more chances while he's on the ice, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though he plays at a lower Right, on a lower line. usually, yeah. yeah. Kapanen 
is the other possible replacement. And last year he produced a Corsi 4 percentage, 53%, and a relative Corsi 4 percentage of 2.2%, which is actually quite high. Yeah. yeah. And this year, similarly, he's producing Corsi 4 percentage of 54.3% and a relative Corsi 4 percentage of 1.8%. And the reason you may... A reason, possible reason for why it's so high is guess whose line he's on most of the time. Yeah, well now he's on uh, Tavares's line. But last year, whose line was he on? Most last of the year time? he got most of the time he got uh, Matthews. Matthews, yeah, and yeah. who produced probably the most Corsi four percent on the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's, it's roughly Matthews, I think. Awesome Matthews. But honestly, eye test wise, and this is again where to me they would come together is that Kapanen is crazy fast, and like to a T. Just like, again from watching him, every game that he picks up any kind of speed, he gets into the zone easily because he's quick and they have to back off, and he he can stop. He usually stops up, and and the Leafs then have full possession inside the offensive blue line. So, I mean, what's a little bit shocking to me is that Marner is not that close to his numbers, uh, just because Marner also plays on a quote unquote you know one A one B like he's the one A he was the one A line last year with Hyman and Tavares. And Matthews' line was supposed to be the one B line, and it would have been Janssen and Kapanen for a lot of the year. Nylander got mixed in a little bit, but I mean, basically, uh, Kapanen is an excellent driver of at least the opportunity to take shots uh, when he's on a line. And he, this is, and though that that uh, you know this year's stats, that's with him having like a really rough first seven games. Yeah, in the he season, did a really rough first seven games. And also, you brought up lines, so mm-hmm. why don't we talk about lines right now? Okay. So, we'll look at the Corsi 4 percentages that the line produces. Mm-hmm. So, how many scoring chances, how many more, percentage-wise, how many more scoring chances does the team generate while this line is on the ice? So, we spoke about the Hyman-Marner-Tavares line from last mm-hmm. year, and let's talk about their Corsi 4 percentage. So last year they played in 817 minutes, so a large number of minutes. Big sample. Big sample. They produced a Corsi 4% of 53.63%. So 3.63% more offense generated by the Maple Leafs than the opposing team while they were on the ice. That's and pretty that, high, right, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking, that's yeah. pretty high. And that line's relative Corsi 4%, so comparing that line against that line not being on, was 1.73%. So mm-hmm. it produced a little bit higher than the team did while they weren't on the ice. Mm-hmm. So now let's see how the team performed without Marner last year. So when Hyman and Tavares played together without Marner last year, they racked up 96 minutes and 58 seconds. So not a small... Not a very small yeah, sample size. Not a big not large, size, but, but it's, it's significant, not it's insignificant. Significant. They produced a Corsi 4% of 57.35%. <laughs> with a relative Corsi 4 of 5.45%. Right. Doesn't look good for Marner. That there. doesn't look for, good for Marner here. But let's just see, was it Tavares that was carrying it? Right. So when Tavares and Marner played together on any line last year, they clocked in 1,059 minutes and 46 seconds, so a very large number of minutes. Mm. And they produced a Corsi 4% of 51.62% and a relative Corsi 4% of 1.35%. So really similar to just that Hyman-Tavares-Marner yeah, Marner line. line. Yeah. And then let's look at this year. 
because Hyman has only played the one game, so we're not going to yeah, look so at that. Yeah, so there's no, there's literally no but, sample. So let's just look at Tavares and Marner this year. Yeah. So Tavares and Marner this year, when they're both on the ice, they produce a Corsi four percent, a fifty-five point two five percent, and a relative Corsi four of three point four one, which oh, okay. is pretty good numbers, right? Yeah, they've had a better uh, shot metric yeah. year so far. And I know you're interested in looking mm-hmm. at hey. Is this Tavares carrying Marner, or is this Marner carrying Tavares? Because that's my personal <laughs> belief. Okay, based so look on at watching. let's look at some crazy numbers over here. All right, cool. So when Tavares played without Marner, in the combined last year and this year, he produced fifty-two point eight zero Corsi four percentage. If you want a little more extreme stat, this year in forty minutes, he's produced a Corsi four percent of fifty-eight point zero six percent, while Marner was off the ice which has a relative Corsi 4% of 6.22. I knew so it. So producing much more offense when Marner's uh, off the ice this year. But last year, it was just a relative Corsi 4% of zero. So right. actually he produced a little bit worse when Marner was off the ice. Last year. Last year. Altogether this year and last year, a relative Corsi 4% of 1.08%. So he's okay. He, he's pretty decent. Yeah. But now look, let's look at the other way. Right. How Marner plays without Tavares. So last year, in 152 minutes and 13 seconds, just a reminder, this is all even strength minutes. We're not mm-hmm. looking at power play or penalty kill. Uh, Marner had a Corsi 4% of 39.06. So last the, year. Last year. So the right. opposing team and was generating 11 and 50, oh, 152 minutes. Oof, so not a small. Not a small sample yeah. size. 39.06. So the opposing <sighs> team is generating 11% more offense than the Maple Leafs. His relative Corsi 4% was negative 12.63. He was 12%, the team was 12% worse right. compared to him just not having him on the ice. Mm-hmm. You can always say, is it because he was facing stiff competition? Well, I tried to remove the variable to tell right, you that. Right. This year, he's faring a little bit better. In 103 minutes, because Tavares has been injured this year, he had a Corsi 4 percentage of 51.98% and a relative Corsi 4 percent of 0.14. Approximately, he's just the average player on the team. In terms yeah, he's, of Corsi. he's even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously facing stiffer competition, but without uh, Marner on the other side, as you mentioned previously, Tavares seems to be doing okay so far this okay. year. And, with, and Marner without Tavares is a little worse. Yeah, and it, last and year significantly worse and this year still a little worse. Yeah, and if I even just if I look at basic stats the way that, you know, any commentator would, I'm pretty sure Mar uh, Tavares, pardon me, has like something like 6 points in the last 5 games or 4 games without Marner. Um, and that game against the Blackhawks, the number yeah, of shots, had, probably yeah, the course oof. that was taken in that game was probably a very high number yeah and again i think what i love is that we've now established that this is a shot metric because what i've heard now maybe it's just me with terrible ears so that that could be that but it is the fact that there's i've just heard it as possession and i think that to call it possession is a complete misnomer should not be called that it's just shot opportunities yeah that's all it is which is it's just good to describe it as generating offense maybe why would you shoot maybe it's correlated Mm -hmm. but it's not an, a standalone statistic for possession. Yeah, it's certainly not possession numbers like you know how they would in in, a, in another sport 
uh, like like even soccer, which is another sport that's not great when it comes to analytics. But if we just take the fact that it establishes possession, I think by calculating how long one team has the ball versus the other team, that is so completely different to how many shots you generate on the ice. Uh, For sure. So it's too bad that that maybe gets viewed that way a little bit. So what we're going to be interested in now in, in now is these replacement lines. How will how well will they fare? Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're looking at Tavares, Kapanen, and more. Yeah, probably as a replacement line. More, I think he just got injured. Yeah, just but, got injured. But so now I think it's going to be. I don't know how Babcock's going to mix it up, but it could be Patan, um, who's usually playing the fourth line, but he's like a first line AHL player. Hyman. Uh, Hyman will be there for for sure. So you will see. You will get a very good glimpse of what Hyman and Tavares bring. Honestly, just watching the Bruins game, I think they they are very good at retrieving the puck and generating chances, but we'll see. We'll see without Marner. But before Moore got injured, here's some interesting stats. So when Moore and Tavares were on the ice with Marner, mm-hmm. this year in 26 minutes, they produced a Corsi 4% of 46.43. Ouch. Which is pretty bad with a negative 6.05 relative course percent, and that would be like let's say it's probably been over the course of two games maybe that that happened a couple yeah. of games 26 yeah. minutes not yeah. much but now let's look at it without Marner when Moore and Tavares played without Marner this year small sample size 22 minutes roughly almost the same amount of time as that trio played together they produce a Corsi 4% of 66.04 right. and a relative Corsi 4 of 13.56 now if we just plug in Kapanen on that line for 12 minutes this year yeah. they had a 67.74% Corsi 4 percentage with a 15% relative Corsi 4 Oof. and I think that's who's going to take his spot now I think it's going to be Captain and Martin Morris and Captain will be on the right side you don't think Hyman's going to stay with no no, no it, sorry it'll be sorry Captain and Hyman okay. and Tavares because I don't think um, that uh, I don't think Captain can play the left side they're both right handed shots if I'm not mistaken uh, maybe Hyman isn't, but Hyman will for sure comfortably take either wing and play exactly the same way. Yeah. So, um, so just as a as a look at this, both Kapanen and Moore look like good replacements for Marner on that line. Mm-hmm. While he's gone, anyways. while he's gone, at least. yeah, not maybe the talent. And I think people may think that this is kind of dogging on Marner. It's not. It's the, this is just one statistic. Yeah, yeah. And and the guy is obviously a very talented player. Obviously, he's a penalty killer. Yeah, yeah, he's a penalty. So that's huge. But I think. To anyone who had watched, and this is a way to vent your frustration at the fact that the Leafs clearly overpaid him in the offseason. Now, it might be, you know, the, they've got cost certainty, but everyone can see this coming. Mikko Rantanen on the Avs has scored more points in the last two years than Marner, and he's getting paid $1.7 million less than Marner. So clearly, I, I don't know whether he's just a bad negotiator or what. Kyle Dubas just may be a terrible yeah negotiator. Negotiator, but this is like this. These kind of stats are not shocking to me because Marner has that sort of talent edge that gives him the ability to finish those chances, let's say, at a higher efficiency than someone else, and that's something we could talk about in the future. Uh, but my goodness, the the this is not a shock to some degree. I was hoping it wasn't the case, but you can see it with your you know with the eye test to some extent that he's not a big guy he makes kind of quick plays uh so it's again it's not a shock to me that 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 the team's not generating as much offense that's right that's right okay well 
sorry, Leaf fans. There's the reality that we're probably overpaying for him, but still very good player. Um, but do you believe the Leafs are going to be missing Marner over his injury, or I kind of don't think as much as people would like to believe. This Corsi four percent tells you that maybe they won't miss him as much. As much, and and again, offensively, I don't think they've massively struggled since he's been out. Um, but areas like the penalty kill, things that this that, yeah. doesn't take into account, maybe that's where they're going to miss yeah. him. Yeah, and 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 I mean, he he, does, he is very creative, so. Uh, you know, one thing that we can look at in the future is how many, how much high danger chances, you know, get generated when he's well, on the ice, uh, which would give us a better stat of that. But again, the guy is not a dominant force. He's a very creative player and very, very smart player, but he's not a dominant force, at least from a shot metric perspective. All right, we've exhausted our sad Leafs uh, for the day. So let's awesome. get on to some new, good news now. Yeah, good good news now. Awesome job. Thank you, Adam, because honestly, like I said, I've heard it talked as uh, Corsi 4 percentage as like some kind of possession number. It's not. It's strictly a shot metric, and that's what you should be thinking of when you hear that number called out. Moving forward to good news, the Toronto Raptors, who I think for sure are a legitimate uh, title contender again this year, Siakam, uh, the funny talk is that he's going to be most improved and MVP candidate for both, and he should. He really should because his numbers have taken another huge leap this year. Uh, so now we talked about uh, Corsi 4 for hockey. We're going to move to a, an important stat in basketball, and that is net rating. So what is net rating? Why is it important? Adam, tell us. What, what's going on here? So we want to also look at a similar thing that we looked at in course. You want to see how much offense is generated by a team while a player is on the court. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we want to look at the amount of offense generated against the play- the team when the player is on the court. And we can get similar to the Corsi 4% number, something called net rating, which tells us how much better the team is, essentially, while that player is on the court. So we'll, we'll get into what these things are right these, these words mean yeah because i got some questions but but i'm gonna i won't interrupt too much <laughs> so offensive rating is the first number that we're going to look at an offensive rating is the stat just tells you the number of points the team scores per 100 possessions while the given player is on the court so why are we looking at 100 possessions that's that's a probable i always question. hear that i always hear per 100 possessions because let's just took the number of the amount of offense generated when, let's say, Pascal Siakam's on the court mm-hmm. compared to the the amount of offense generated when Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who's played fewer minutes, Matt Thomas. Yeah, maybe. He's played a few minutes. Played, yeah. But while they're on the court. Yeah, right? right. Obviously, Siakam plays far more minutes than those two players mm-hmm. and will generate the team will generate more points while he's on the court. So what's a way to normalize it? One way is hey, we can just divide by per minute, right? We can right. say this is the number of points generated by the team per minute while uh, Siakam's on the court or per minute while Matt Thomas is on the court. But at the same time, does that tell you, that tells you a little bit more information, but while Siakam's on the court, the team could be taking 10 more shots per minute, mm-hmm. not 10 more shots, but a shot per, more per minute than mm-hmm. while Matt Thomas is on the court. No, I understand what you're saying, yeah. So... We can normalize again by saying, hey, how many points, essentially, can this player score every possession that they have? So it's a, it's a method of extrapolating. It's just a method of normalizing. Yeah, normalizing. Sorry. Normalizing right, right, right. how much offense is generated 
right. by the team, all the players on the court. We just multiply by 100 so we can get some nicer numbers. Right, that's right. Um, defensive rating, very similar. It's the number of points the team gives up while the player's on the court per 100 possessions. And that rating is you just take the two and you subtract them. Right. It's like a plus minus stat. It's kind of like a plus minus stat of the team while the mm. player's on the court. Right, right. Um, I just want to be accurate about this. It's not there's there's multiple different stats. There's offensive rating and defensive rating of a player, individual offensive rating and defensive rating. That's not the stat we're looking at. That stat looks at how much offense this single player generates. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at how much offense the team generates while the player is on the court. So that we're going to be talking about team offensive rating, team defensive rating and team net rating. And then comparing that to when a player is out. Yeah. versus in yeah. now so we don't necessarily get an individual value we just get how the team is either enhanced or slightly depre- maybe not deprecate is the right word or, or slightly worse without well, without the player without that player so similar to Corsi 4% right right, right. okay yeah very very, very similar to yeah. Corsi 4 and Corsi against the good thing about the stats it's very simple right right like no advanced just like Corsi 4 nothing advanced in it you just look at points per 100 possession right and some problems with it like I said for Corsi is that it doesn't take into account um, strength of schedule right your opposition Uh, it doesn't take into account the other players on the court while you're on the court Mm -hmm. so your teammates let's say it doesn't take into account the opposing opposing, opposition's team players on the court for them so obviously, if you if you're a starter, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be facing harder competition right. on the court and things that can skew it. Like for example, if it's yep. a blowout and yep. you know there's eight minutes left in the fourth, you know you might have a bench player that generates a ton of offense, but he's playing against the other team's bench and the game is not close. So still, we see that sample size is an important. Yeah, because it'll still it'll even though we're normalizing kind of against sample size, it's still important. Mm-hmm. Because you can skew your number right, by just right. having a small sample size. Right. That's the that's the safety net. Yeah. In case people take it out of context. And one more thing, shot types aren't taken into account. In a sense, they are, but that efficiency number is there, but it doesn't tell you specifically was this a good shot or not. Yeah, you shouldn't be using this to analyze the specific shots that people take. You may be able to make some kind of inferences yeah. and see what the implications are, but even then, it may not be accurate. It may not right? be accurate. It's, it'll just be something that you come up with. Okay. So Kyle Lowry's injury. So he's out, obviously, as it's well talked about, the fact that Kyle Lowry brings all these quote-unquote intangibles to the game. I think they can be measured, uh, and I think people have gone out of their way to to measure it but he's very valuable to the Raptors as a leader on the floor as a floor general you know there's so many areas that he's done really well and he is out uh, at currently he's about a week and a half away from another evaluation but he fractured his thumb again I think it's his left thumb uh, as well so it's a it looks like it could be a potentially recurring injury but he's out how do we measure you know the the intangible value and, and of Kyle Lowry make that tangible so we understand what he means to the Raptors. So for a long time, Kyle Lowry has been known as an analytics darling. Mm. Like his analytic numbers, his efficiency numbers, everything is he's a top five point guard in the NBA almost every single year. And one way to look at it is looking at the offensive, defensive, and net ratings. Mm-hmm. 
of the team while he's on the court right and off the court and just comparing the two so i took a look at a few years back with 2017 2018 season when the raptors won 59 games so a pretty good year for them but they lost to lebron james in the playoffs just like in usual fashion yeah disappointing I kind of chose that year, maybe not the greatest year to choose because Kyle Lowry, this was one of Kyle Lowry's down years in terms of his rating, but the team's offensive rating that year while he was on the court was 114.8 points per 100 possessions. Uh, The defensive rating was 107.1 points per possession, points per 100 possessions, and the net rating was 7.7. Right, and, and the net rating is what's the most important, right? Net because rating is the difference, essentially. I was going to say, because the, the team offensive and defensive rating, is there isn't a baseline for it because it's relative to... Like, you could say, well, is it 100? And it's not, because what if the whole league is averaging 95 or whatever? Yeah. So, so that doesn't matter. Really, what matters is the difference. It's a net rating. Right. It's just comparing, hey, this is how good my offense is compared to my defense. Yeah, exactly. Right? All you want, generally is a positive number which tells you that you generate more offense than you give up yeah, and the higher the higher the number would imply the more dominant a team the, tends yeah. to be and Obviously, so yeah. we can also look at these numbers while he was off the court mm-hmm. so the team's offensive rating was 113.5 points per 100 possessions while he was off the court which is almost a point and a half lower than when he was on the court but its defensive rating was 105 points per 100 possessions which meant that they were giving up two fewer points per 100 possessions, which re- which results in a net rating of 8.5 mm. points per possession, uh, points per 100 possessions, and a relative, let's just take the on minus the off number, and we got negative 0.8. So, Jeremy, do you have any idea why that was the case? Why the team performed better while Kyle Lowry was off compared to on? Uh, do you remember something about the 2017-2018 season? Who was on the bench, maybe? Oh, uh, oh, Fred? Fred Siakam, Pertle. Do you remember the bench right, mob? Right, right. The bench mob was 2017 Right, so, Pertle, Look at that. When Siakam. Kyle Lowry was off the court, guess who came on the court? Right. I think Ibaka did, too, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he had a great year, but yeah, they had a yeah. they had a full sort of... That was their quote-unquote sixth man. I haven't looked at the, the ratings, but I know that the Raptors had one of the greatest benches of all time that year. <laughs> Which obviously, look at Kyle Lowry's net rating while on the court was seven point seven, which is still quite am- good. Yeah. quite amazing. It's just the bench was so good that he actually had a, a negative relative rating. Right, and now again, you know that's regular season stats. That's right? regular season stats. I didn't uh, delve into the playoffs. Yeah, stats. no, and which for obvious reasons, a being the bench barely plays for oppositions when it comes to the playoffs. So <laughs> it's not hard to calculate the fact that Lowry's net rating and the whole Raptors net rating was way off when it came to playing LeBron James in the playoffs. Maybe we'll delve into that one day, but um, for anyone who thinks, you know, the bench was some kind of, uh, you know, they may have been one of the greatest benches ever, but they're still playing during the regular season. They against, don't play as much. Yeah, against other benches, yeah. right? That's not the case in the playoffs. You can't win just because you have an amazing bench. So... There's a reason why Kyle Lowry's numbers look a little off. Right, right. But now let's talk about last year. So last year, while he was on the court, the team's offensive rating was 117.9 points per 100 possessions, which is a very good number. Yeah. And its defensive rating was 106.7 points per 100 possessions, also a very good number in today's NBA landscape. Right, right. Which gave him a net rating of 11.2 points per 100 possessions. 
So if you think about that, an NBA game is roughly 100 possessions per team. So while Kyle Lowry's on the court, their team is beating the other team if over a whole game by 11 points per game. Right. And th- again, just to be clear, this doesn't mean that Kyle Lowry in that game is plus 10. but It means yeah. across the year, across the year, using 100 possessions as the baseline, uh, the yeah. team is performing. Averages out. Yeah, averages out overall at 11.2 points higher, which honestly that is way higher than I than I would have expected, even from a very good year like last year. And last year with the Raptors winning 58 games, while he was off the court, the team produced an offensive rating of 108.3 points, far fewer than when he was on the court. Right. And a defensive rating of 109.2 points per 100 possessions. That's interesting. So the team was actually a negative when he was off the court. And hey, from an eye test perspective, it always looks like Lowry takes charges. You know, he generates turnovers. He doesn't get posted up terribly by big guys on the other team. He's He's always excited about it. Good post Uh, defender. So again, that's a that's a perfect way of of sort of matching those two. Like, hey, is Kyle Lowry good at defense? He's short, right? Short, quote unquote. He's six one, but uh, you know, he's he's a shorter guy. He's a guard. Yet the team performs way better defensively when he's on. So not to hate on Kawhi Leonard, amazing player, but the Raptors did go 17-5 and five when he didn't play. Right, right, right. Well, these aren't exactly on-off numbers mm-hmm. for Kawhi Leonard, but when Lowry was off, the team averaged fewer points than right. their opposition. And last year, Leonard would have been on for a lot, a lot of that time. Not a lot of that time, sorry, but like, for example, Lowry, I remember, got injured. And Leonard had to, you know, carry the team. I don't think we had a like sterling record with Lowry out, but I should probably check that before I before I mouth off on it. All right. So now the most important, since we don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, right? Let's look at this year's stats over a small sample, obviously. Yeah. So the team's offensive rating when Lowry's on the court this year is 111 points per 100 possessions. Yeah, and, and just for everyone's re- reference, that's about seven games, I believe, because. Or maybe eight games before he got before Lowry got injured, injured against yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. So yeah, they were six and two before playing uh, the Lakers. Um, okay. Yeah. So it was the game right before. Yeah, the it was the game right before. Um, so sorry, I, I interrupted you. Yeah. So I was just gonna say that the team net rating while he was on the court was uh, five point nine points per one hundred possessions. Right. The team's offensive rating when he hasn't played or while he was not on the court. This is not taking into account uh, the past two games. Right, right, right. And remember that this stat, even though it's including it's including his on-off numbers, it's even including games where he's been injured, mm-hmm. right? So while he was off the court, the team had an offensive rating of 105.5 points per 100 possessions. So far fewer points, 5.5 points fewer right. when he's off the court. But their defensive rating... 98.8 points per 100 possessions. This is why the team is going to win this year. Mm-hmm. It's their defense. So that's interesting. So I was just talking about how he was great on defense. And it sounds like, uh, yeah, the net rating there for for this year when he's off is sounds like it's better. 6.7. Right. Uh, is that because they just, like, the team has a ton of length on the team? I think it's just what? that deep. Well, it's not saying nothing against Kyle Lowry. His and the team's not rating while he's on the court. Still really still good. Still 5.9 points. Yeah. But just when he's off the court, 
the the rest of the team is just so good at defense. I mean, yeah, they, they can just cover for him. This is quick, this is under a hundred points. This is uh, under a hundred points for, per hundred possessions, which right? is unheard of in the NBA. Yeah, because because one hundred and five is not terrible. Uh, I mean, I don't know how good it is relative to other teams, but uh, I know in today's NBA it can't be that bad. Um, it's probably in the top. 15 maybe so I, don't, I don't know points for no points against points against. 100, 105 yeah, po- it points sh- against. It should, yeah it should be yeah somewhere. so which is pretty crazy that the team has as a unit has dropped to 98 points per 100 possessions uh i guess with lowry off but i i mean i'm sure if we looked at uh, so we just watched the raps go through a three-game road swing which was the lakers the clippers and the trailblazers I believe I don't, I don't think I missed anyone. Yeah. Uh, so that's three top teams in the West, or uh, from last year. Yeah, from least, last year, or and, what we thought was and allegedly yeah, should, should be one of the top. Teams. At least for sure, the Clippers and the Lakers, the Trailblazers, always seem to overachieve. But this year, so far up to this point, through twelve games, they have not. Did you see their signing uh, recently? Oh yeah, they they, they took <laughs> Carmelo finally, non guaranteed. Imagine where his his career has gone. Imagine what his net rating is going to be this year. <laughs> yeah, no. absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to bet that as well. But the, I mean, um, a fun again. This is a, a non numbers in the sense of someone who hasn't doesn't understand the advanced numbers like like you would Adam. I would look at it as they kept Damian Lillard. LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard to a combined 34 points in the three games. And their defense looks unbelievable. So it's not a shock to me. I mean, it's a little bit of a shock that the net, that the team defense is 98 points with Lowry off the floor. But it looks like that's what their strength is with him that's off the floor. Because the offense does go down. Yeah, the offense goes down to a pretty low level. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for them to generate offense without Kyle Lowry. But at least what we can take away from this is even... Without Kyle Lowry, their defense is so strong that keeps they can in check. Yeah. keep them in games. So we can see that Kyle Lowry has a negative net rating, right, for this year compared to on and off the right. relative net rating. So the negative. so the team should be fine then. The team should be him. fine without Lowry, just based uh, on the small sample size right. at least. Yeah. Now I guess the warning in there would be similar to two years ago, which is this is not going to be the competition you're facing in the playoffs. This is not, and um, maybe your bench won't be able to carry you. Exactly. So. So for anyone who thinks that we're saying that Kyle Lowry is, you know, the, the Raps are better without him. Nope. They're, they're not better. Uh, All we can say is that without him, hey, maybe their, defense, be just fine. their defense is good yeah. enough yeah. that they can actually get through. They'll win a bunch of games in a regular season. And I mean, like I said, they just went through three of the toughest teams. They went two and one. And really, if the refs didn't hate the Raptors, as every Raptor fan feels, uh, you know, we could have had the Clippers on the second night of a back-to-back. I think we should have, to be honest. But then maybe if Lowry was there, we would have generated more offense. Yeah, I mean, I think if Lowry was there, if any of the regulars were there, I mean, OGN and Nobi had his eye poked out by Kawhi in the first two minutes of the game. Uh, Ibaka, uh, Lowry are both missing. I mean, if any one of those three players play. And for anyone who says, well, Paul George wasn't there, I'm pretty sure three of those guys adds up to a Paul George uh, for a regular season game against the Clippers. Uh, I'm sure we could have taken them. Uh, one way or the other. So I just have a question for you. What do you think of the media's eye test on the Toronto Raptors, especially the U.S. media? I think they wear blinkers uh, because for some, from, for some reason, this should be the team that's looked at as this is how to develop internally. The Raptors have not had 
a top 10 pick since I think Podal. I think he was the last he guy. He was the last one that played for Yeah, them. and I think he was 8th or ninth. Maybe he was 11th. I can't remember. But anyways, point being... And Jonas Valanciunas, but I mean... But that was like... That yeah. was 2011. That was last uh, year. But I mean, he was drafted. No, yeah, meaning, meaning, yeah. meaning as a team, they haven't drafted in that top Think about this. They portion. haven't even played a player who's been drafted <laughs> in the top 15 since Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, my, my favorite thing about last year's championship win is that they... And I'm glad they pointed this out. So things like this, I would trust the pundits and commentators to get these kind of things right, which is the Raps, the highest player, uh, the highest drafted player on the Raps last year's championship winning team was Kawhi, and he was 15th overall. Um, what I don't understand is why they don't get covered more. I could guarantee you, and this is obviously because this is in Los Angeles, and a lot of these top networks are, are very friendly with that California area. Uh, if this was the Lakers managing this without, you know, one of LeBron or AD, and they were they were taking, you know, the top teams to to the fourth or beating them handedly, or one guy was doing what Siakam and or, or two guys were doing what Siakam and Van Vliet was doing, I I mean I would I wouldn't be shocked if they talked about the Raptors. They'd be a national them all story. The time. They they would be because this is a team that apparently everyone forgot a bunch of pundits didn't even have them going to the playoffs uh, and are being made fun of right now, but. But they, they didn't have, I don't know how like, And then they come up With these excuses For yeah. why they thought so Yeah And, and I gotta say They are For me They are Toronto's Like darling team right now They're NBA champions Yeah and you, and you love Watching them play These guys leave it all Out on the floor Nick Nurse is a fantastic coach Who's not even A little bit satisfied With one championship He was furious 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 After the Clippers game Like I can't believe He held it together With the reporters uh, I'm shocked he didn't, he didn't talk himself Into a fine um, but, you know, th- this is a team where, okay, if you don't want to talk about analytics, just watch them play at least. Uh, they play the games the right way. They work as hard as they, uh, you know, as hard as they can, and they make the right plays, and they're obviously very, very well coached. So uh, clear contender in my mind. Um, obviously, the NBA is wide open for the first time in a decade probably. Uh, so it's a very exciting time to be a Raptors fan, uh, even though they lost what, Everyone, everyone threw the Raptors in the you know in the dumpster after Kawhi left. They've come out and proven no way we're far more than Leonard, and I think they did prove that a little bit in the NBA Finals last year, uh, where Kawhi actually probably was did not play as well as he had in the previous two uh, series. But uh, you know, you see Siakam all these seven. people step up. Yeah, and, Siakam, and they hadn't. To, to be fair to Leonard, they hadn't stepped up before, especially in the Philly series. Maybe that was a tough matchup. Uh, but you know, in the finals, you know, La- I remember Lowry scored the first twelve points in Game yeah. Six when we clinched it. Seventeen points in the first quarter. Yeah, he had twenty six. He had twenty six uh, that game. Leonard had twenty two that game. Uh, so I think it was a little bit poetic that Van Vliet got one of the MVP votes because it just put a stamp on the fact that it was not for sure the finals at the very least was not just not just a one man show. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Adam. Look, uh, this Thanks is our vision. We, yeah, we want to bring the eye test, what we see, together with all these numbers. And we hope, especially in these two sports, we see it happening more in basketball. Hockey's just dipped their toe in the water. We're hoping that they do it more, uh, you know, more often, that it becomes more in-depth, that it can just be a part of the culture instead of separating two things. So we're excited to try and, and help that happen within this culture. Thanks, anyone, for listening. Um, you know, we, 
Uh, we hope that the Leafs and the Raps play well in the upcoming week, and that, uh, you know, especially for the Leafs, that they turn things around. Thank you.